Welcome back to Bound by the Scene. Today is another episode of Beyond Your Scene, where we talk to another individual, whether Spirit or myself is off gallivanting, taking a mental health break, or just, you know what, they didn't want to talk to me, or I didn't want to talk to them. Usually no one really wants to talk to me because I'm a persistent piece of shit, and that's just how it goes. Um, a bit of the house cleaning first. I'd like to thank everybody for subscribing and viewing. We've hit a precipice of total views of 2.9k and that's through all platforms i i do thank you i love you all smooches um our guest today is someone who's rather prevalent in the tiktok sphere of cosplaying and kink and all that fun jazz i welcome dragon introduce yourself hi <laughs> prevalent right uh, sure we'll go with prevalent if you say so i don't feel very prevalent yet but I, I only have four followers, and those are my friends that we just send TikTok memes to back and forth, and like at seventy at a time. So your right, well, your, your guess, stature is. I guess is... my my twenty six thousand count for something that I suppose. <laughs> yeah, twenty six thousand. It's nowhere. It's nowhere near like a hundred thousand or three million, like some people. But you know, I'll I'll take it. I'll be prevalent at 26,000 followers, sure. And that is entirely fair. I mean, that, that's still a, a, a monicum of success that I, I am dreading in the event that this podcast takes off. Because <laughs> apparently um, me and my co-host ended up signing checks that our asses can't cash. So at 10,000 views, um, we're doing face cams. And at a million views, we're turning ourselves into Pornhub VTubers. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, don't. And I have to rig everything, so... <laughs> Fun. <laughs> Fuck, no. Uh, God, I hate myself. Anywho, so, um, usually the first things first, we we typically do this as an interview style, but we just had to do something a little bit different. We're, we're both familiar with each other, we've both known each other, we've met at a convention, um, and we've kept in touch since then. You've kept in touch with me in my travels abroad, um, I kept up with you when you've done a variety of things. So just introduce yourself for a little bit. Oh, yes. Talk about yourself. Sure. Um, well, let's okay. see. Um, I mean, I mean, this is a little bit easier because talking about some, yourself specifically is like, well, I like the color red. Okay. <laughs> Purple uh, and black, but okay. Um, so what got you into kink specifically? Like, it was it a... I wouldn't say specifically. Um, what got you into kink? Was it a, a book? Was it literature? Was it a movie? Was it just one day, like myself, where you stubbed your toe on a piece of PVC pipe that was sticking out of the ground and you <laughs> all of a sudden had funny feelings? All right, you're like, oh, why did I like that? I, um, yeah, yeah. Honestly, I think, like, if I've I've been asked this a lot recently. And the one thing that I can remember is, like, I always wanted to be a dominatrix, but I thought, I thought dominatrix were like performers. Like I thought it was like, like you grow up and you can be a ballet dancer or you can grow up and be a Vegas showgirl. Like I thought you could grow up and train to be a dominatrix before I knew like that there was a whole world of ds and kink and you know like bdsm like before i knew there was a whole world of that i just saw dominatrix and i was like i want to be that like how do i be that 
I mean, technically you're not wrong. <laughs> that people people do train their entire well adult life. We'll we'll leave it at that. Um, don't need YouTube or Pornhub's uh, terms of service to be like you done did a fucky wucky. Uh, <laughs> But no, that that's interesting. Uh, that is, that, I like hearing different peoples, and the, and the audience certainly does. Every time I, every time we do one of these, it's like, okay, well, this was, um, this is either very organic, or this is very like, you know what, we we are brought up differently because there's always this really interesting stigma of, you're a kingster, you must have this really messed up life that you've lived, and, and other times it's like, no, um, I tried it. I liked it. I had a really good upbringing. I still talked to my family. But no, this was my this is my life. <laughs> right? So did I. I I don't have any like I don't have any trauma that related into kinks or I don't have any like weird yeah, weird, weird crazy background to be like, "Oh, that's why." Like, I don't know, it was always just something. I mean, I've always loved leather. I've always like just dominated like the the power that is presented from like a dominatrix is is just you know I was like that I want to do that and then um yeah then then you know then you get like older and consenting and you start you know learning stuff about you <laughs> And you're like, oh, I kind of liked that. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I think like I was kinky before I really knew what kinky was. I just thought I was weird. And then like when the world of BDSM opened up and was like, there's other people like you and you're not the only one. It was like, oh, oh, I wish. yeah, I belong there. That's where I need to go. Yeah, that that's a, that's a very very good way of putting it. Uh, sometimes it's just a pathway that's like, oh, by the way, here's the yellow brick road. Follow it, and you'll end up with an interesting exploration. I I do enjoy that stuff. It's great. It really is. It makes it makes these conversations a lot more a lot more interesting to Bob and we because there's always different nuances to people. There's always different idiosyncrasies and. Um, most of my um, I think all of my listeners already know my slightly like hilarious backstory of actually like the the joke about hitting a PVC pipe was actually me at eight years old which is funny and not surprising whatsoever and slightly I mean, it was just oh. I mean there's a yeah there's a lot of little things that would have came up in my life that would have been like oh there's your sign <laughs> yeah uh, uh, there it is that that's actually a thing yeah you look back at it and you're like that makes so much sense now. It all is now a beautiful wrapped up package that I, um, I'm going to chalk it up to just stuff and things and things and stuff. So next question. So are you particularly involved in, because I know we mentioned TikTok a little bit earlier. Are you particularly involved in the kink set of TikTok? Because it's only become recently that it started showing up on my feed usually my i get the anime weeby stuff and like the self-deprecating humor tick side of tiktok that's just like oh well oh that that's me it must be the trauma oh that's a great one um are you are you part of it are you familiar with it uh, what are your thoughts on it any and all things would be nice oh all right kink talk here we go well i think kink talk is interesting uh some of it's good some of it's really good and some of it is so red flags and 
I think it's, it's like scary. I mean, it, it at least kind of worries me because I don't want to say there's a bunch of fakes out there, but it's TikTok. And I think there's a bunch of fakes out there. And there's a lot of people that grow really big accounts very quickly because they are aesthetically pleasing or a lot of people like them. And maybe their information is like actually garbage, but they just have such a wide reach that other people, you know, that might be more in the lifestyle or at least more educated are kind of like, yo, please don't listen to them. Like, I don't care if they have a million followers, please don't listen to them. And so it it's like this kind of scary place that you just you're like trying to weed through good information and bad information and good examples and bad examples. And it's really difficult. So like for fun, like TikTok is a great place to go for fun, but sometimes it's really questionable when like a lot of people are experiencing kink for the first time through TikTok. Like it's almost as bad as that book that, you know, made all the vanillas realize what kink was uh, yes. when it hit mainstream and i think kink talk is kind of like this has the same problems like there's a lot of problematic stuff on kink talk i, I can see that um 50 shades of gray is is the book that we we've actually mentioned um in a previous interview and surprisingly enough like um the uh when i was coming up into kink like the the form of um, movie that kind of like the movie that kind of like put vernacular into my head versus the book that I read. Um, the movie that I watched was The Secretary. Everybody around like older millennial Gen Xers have seen that movie and was like, "Oh, that is oof, that's a good one." Oof, oof, that oof, that might be my kink. Oop, uh, well, shit. Um, and versus the book that I read, which was uh, 120 Days in Sodom by the Marquis de Sade. So two vastly different concepts of like kink, degradation, dominance and submission versus this uh, slightly tailored book to people that do not know what kink is and haven't really experienced what kink is and get this very... I want to say fantasy version of it, and I can see that yeah. being what like over romanticized, absolutely in media. I I haven't found a good representation of the lifestyle in media that hasn't been more on the documentary side from like somebody who lives the lifestyle. Do you know what I mean? Everything else is just over romanticized stuff that any anybody else like anybody in the lifestyle will watch it and be like okay i can like kind of see some nice points to this movie or whatever but there is a lot of red flags and that's not how it happens yep um like I, for information purposes like not the best not not the best yeah and i can i can definitely see that like i've i've perused as a as a predominant rigor at this moment because my my edge edge play edgy boy uh knives and needles style of play has been neutered at the moment due to uh current global pandemics uh so that's no fun but no. like as a as a rigor um 
I wouldn't even class myself as like one of the more well-informed. I've, I've gone to conventions. Yes, I've done this. I've done that. And seeing some of the stuff on TikTok has been like, um, like, why are you tying it like that? Like, right. why, why are you using this rope? Like, but we were taught how to, and I, and I can <laughs> see that being like, one, it looks prettier. Cool. I'm all for aesthetics. I'm, uh, I am a slut for aesthetics. And two, it's like, uh, did you learn this off of YouTube? Did you learn this in person? Did you just do a weekend like romp with the two Naughty Boys book and figured you knew what you were doing afterwards because you got lucky and you had to tie the tie? Um, others is like, there's a couple of like DS, MS, TikTokers. And I'm just like, I, I ever was under a mistress and I, and I acted like that she would not let me near her ever mm. after that what in the hell yeah and, <laughs> and, I, and I think this is a good segue to um, due to current events due to COVID pandemic or otherwise um, the growth of the learning online through Zoom which is what we are discussing which we're, how we're talking at the moment um zoom classes kink internet or kink kink teachings on the internet excuse me diction is hard it's been a long day i've been awake for way too long i understand <laughs> what are your what are your thoughts on that i mean that that's the thing like i love there i think there's a lot of things that you can learn virtually there are a few things that I would question learning virtually um, just because it's kind of like, okay, but if somebody's not there to really give you a hands-on experience, maybe it depends on how the learner is, you know, like some people can learn things by reading it or learn things by watching it or, you know, learn things virtually and other people like need somebody to physically be there to help them learn stuff and so that's like kind of you know where I'm like oh you know virtual learning could be kind of questionable for certain things but a lot of stuff can be taught I mean any kink 101 um you know just going into any kind of 101 stuff like safe words or negotiation or types of dynamics or, you know, uh, support groups, like sub-support groups or DOM meetings. Um, boot blacking can be learned on virtual. You can have just, there could be endless classes virtually that would be safe, like if they're being taught by good educators. That's also like another point to that. But going between like virtual learning and like TikTok, so like Zoom versus TikTok, I know a lot of big kink educators who are like actual educators in real life, like used to travel around. One of them actually went to uh, the rope craft that we had went to. So like actual in real life kink educators, that that is their job, like that is what they do, host virtual classes. And that's fantastic. But sometimes like, most of the time they ask for like a small fee to run it. And I'm like, it's, it, they have like a 
pretty much like a doctorate in kink, like, yes, pay them $2. Like, seriously, you cannot get better information. Give them $2. But then people are like, oh, but I could just watch TikTok for free. But none of the information is vetted. <laughs> I don't I don't know about free because I um the, the four to five hours I spend laying in my bed scrolling through TikTok, that's not free. That's not free at all. I mean, it's emotionally taxing sometimes. That That is... See, that, that's what I classify as currency. Is it, is it mentally, physically, or emotionally taxing at this point? Actual money is no longer viable. Is it going to cost me tears, sleep, <laughs> or exhaustion? That's what I'm, that's my currency nowadays. <laughs> Cause, uh, oh boy, it's, 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 it's getting funny. Well, then kink talk t costs a, a lot. <laughs> it can, especially like, um, as someone that is, uh, as, as funneled, um, a, a, a good chunk of change, uh, into my setup, my everything, just to get everything recorded versus programs. Like, this stuff can be expensive in hindsight, but, I think somebody getting hurt or harmed in an inappropriate way with learning learning some information that was not so much not, not great, not explained why we don't do X, Y, and Z this way, but we do it that way, can lead to harm. Can lead to oh, let's say someone was doing a blood plate class um, and didn't teach you how to sterilize your your area or sanitize. Excuse me. Sanitize is a more appropriate word because sterilizing involves going into a sterile room and most most people in the globe don't have access to that technology. So doing a sanitization of everything to not give someone MRSA while doing right. a piercing scene with a blood play involvement. These are things that you, you can't do in 60 seconds versus right. a Zoom class that you can do in about two to three hours. Exactly. I mean, there's been there's been like a lot of good kink talkers that have, you know, tried to say that over and over, like, don't teach certain things on TikTok. Like you have 60 seconds. And even if you make multiple videos like a series, you cannot guarantee that a person is going to go to your page and watch 13 videos of this particular topic. Like the TikTok is not the place for that particular education, like blood play, like a lot of edge play. And that's, you know, I don't want to get into the definition of edge play because that just makes me mad, but the edgier, <laughs> like the real edgier edge play, like, needles and blood and and those things like even fire like people are like oh my gosh you wouldn't even believe the amount of really really bad dangerous fire play techniques that i have seen on tiktok and i am a fire top like i love fire i have spent five years studying as much as I possibly can, having the most hands-on experience I could get with fire. And I just see people like, oh, well, just use this. And I'm like, oh, my brain is going to explode. Please don't. No. Like, I'm not going to get on TikTok and try to teach fire play. Now I want to know. <laughs> I feel like there's a story in this. Like, I... Oh, there's a bunch. <laughs> there's a bunch of stories. 
so Let's, i mean do you want to start with like the mason jar story or do you want to start with the wait uh, is this is this the video that where someone was using mason jars for fire cupping yes oh yes oh this one's gonna be interesting by all means i'd love to hear this one yeah. i'm sure the viewers so, would too right so i've seen i've seen fire play videos fire cupping videos done with mason jars saying that since they were heat safe because you can can food in them that they're fine and i'm like okay p.s i have canned food before and i have exploded multiple mason jars so no that incorrect incorrect password also the lips like the edging of mason jars is not the same as fire cups so totally not safe absolutely plus you know if we get into like science with the internal pressure versus external pressure of like fire and canning and yeah just don't and then uh other people were just getting like the dollar store glass like votive candle like vases <laughs> and i'm like oh do you know what would happen if that it implodes implodes not explodes that mm. will impale into the back of a human like big glass shards into the spine yeah that sounds like a really fantastic idea absolutely not knock it off i mean fire cups are cheap on amazon you can get them on amazon on prime really cheap just do it just get, <laughs> get it, a fire cupping kit and stop using mason jars and glass vases like for the love and if you don't want to go to and support jeff bezos there's a number of like eastern medicine like online shops that will have these like fire safe fire cupping kits oh like, definitely and probably for a fraction of the cost you'll just have to wait the two to three weeks for shipping uh but i mean we're all held up in our houses for the most part so like waiting is a is a thing that you can do but there there are multiple places that are going to have actual fire cups whether it be amazon or an actual like a bdsm style shop or made i bet you even etsy has them on there that are actual fire cupping sets like i'm sure you can figure out six different places to buy fire cups that are for real and not mason jars yeah that that's definitely a thing always source your shit and just because something is food grade doesn't mean it's human grade. We'll, we'll, exactly. We'll, we'll, we'll add that little asterisk at the end. So we've, we've talked uh, a little bit about the various, uh, a few things that you've liked, a bit of the things that you've enjoyed and how you've gotten in. How do you identify in the scene? Do you identify as a top? Do you identify as a bottom? Do you identify as a sadistic, sadomasochistic switch? However you want to call it these days. I am a more traditional leaning dominant who is also a sadomasochist and heavy pain bottom. Fair enough. Would you That's elaborate? <laughs> Would you elaborate? Because there are a few newbies here and there and everywhere that do that sometimes the vernacular doesn't really come across. Like I like me, for example, I am a sadomasochistic edge player, 
with a heavy rope leaning. So I like pain. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, if we if we want to go longer, I mean, I'm I'm primal. Phrasing. But, but yes. <laughs> right. Like I'm primal. I'm a hard dom. I'm definitely an edge player. Absolutely super sadist, but also masochist. So really, I mean, traditional dom, that, that's kind of like an easy one. It's more, <laughs> I guess, I don't want to say what people would think DS relationships are like, but I don't particularly care for sub submission in forms that is not service-oriented submission. So I love I love brats. I love brats and I love littles. I love them as people. I love them in the community. I don't want them in my DS dynamic. <laughs> like you do you over there. I need like a, a service and oriented traditional person to be with me. So more more, you know, in line, follow directions follow rules kind of person that that's what I mean by traditional um I'm always a dom uh even if I bottom like no submission comes out of that it is it is just it's either dominance or I'm just bottoming for my own pleasures but like never a submissive and sadomasochist yeah so like that's why I bottom for heavy pain because I'm also a masochist, so like both sides, well, all the sides. Well, there you go. And to give a little bit more insight on what she means by service-oriented, there's a subsect of dominance and submission that you, if you delve a little bit further into it, there are things called protocols. And protocols are inherently important to DS and MS. I've seen it more with MS as opposed to DS, but some DS dynamics do implement MS lifestyles in their kink. Um, protocols being what are the three main ones? It's like heavy protocol, uh, mid protocol, and then no protocol. Am I, am I high protocol, mid protocol, and low protocol? There you go. Thank you. See, this is why I am not a dominant or a master because I am dumb when it comes to this stuff. I can dress the part for high protocol, I can definitely do it. The southern boy in me is like, all right, yes, um, yes, sir, that's fine, that's great. And I can say, I love, I love high protocol. I absolutely love high protocol. Oh. I would be very much master leaning dominant. Okay. That, very, very close to that. I, I like to run my DS relationships um, very much mid protocol. And then I just, I love to throw high protocol in there for like short bursts of time. Like just, just to spice things up. Like I like high protocol for fashion because again, I am an aesthetic individual that likes looking nice as hideous as i am <laughs> but that, no. that that that's that's why i do it because i can dress in a three-piece suit and make all the masters wish they could dress like me that's that's about it that that's why i do it because i am a selfish bitch and and that's more of technical that you would have never understood until now but anyway i digress so I mean, I, I do love to look nice, don't get me wrong, but I love it for the protocol. Like, I, I love it for having more, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Like, 
things that you need to follow more expectation, the higher expectations. Um, I love it for the higher expectations. I can, I can definitely see that being a thing. Like there's, there's been like two to three high protocol dinners that I've been to and the expectation and reward setting for that is probably one of like the most satisfying things I've seen for like submissive for submissives and slaves, like seeing a whole bunch of them gather up and do everything according to this rule list and then seeing like as soon as it starts like the elation starts going and you just start seeing them hit subspace as they continuously just like lose track of themselves and go and it looks like a well-oiled cog to where everything gets placed and then removed and then served and then poured and it's it's one of the most interesting types of scenes to see or experience even if you're not into ms or ds it's really interesting to see i've only been to three of them and i i've been to like five or six and a bunch of different kinds like high protocol dinner high protocol poker high protocol game night um a high protocol we called it a slave auction but it was really more like a submissive auction um we did it like to raise money for a benefit um another high protocol poker and another high protocol dinner so that that's six well i what does high protocol poker entail is it like so strip think, poker with more rules no no it's more like um okay so like think of a high stakes table in vegas so like every all the doms play and all the s types are the service service okay so girl get me a drink or other girls walk around or boys walk around with um like finger foods always serving from the non-dominant side you can also um command a submissive to go do something like go over there and knock over so-and-so's chips and so like to see them have to <laughs> pretty much break a protocol rule because you told them to go knock over another dominance chips then they usually go over and they're like i am very sorry miss dragon but you know mr b sent me over here and i'm sorry and then knock over your chips and then have to go report back to mr b so then I would call another S-type over to restack my chips. So it's it's kind of like there's a little bit of fun in there, you know, messing with the S-types a little bit. And it's it's very much like high stakes poker you would probably see in Vegas. It's pretty, it's pretty fun. It's a fun time. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. As someone that's never been to Vegas but only played poker, that sounds like an interesting watch. I, I'm sure I would be laughing uncontrollably as the dealer because that's 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 the only relegation i'd ever put myself in as the dealer is like nope i'm just here to be a, a voyeur and that's about it because uh mm -mm. not not my cup of tea not my style i'll just i'll just watch and laugh and drink because this is going to get <laughs> exactly. far more entertaining as the night goes on so yeah as... it, it definitely does sometimes <laughs> My protocol is fun times. I love it. I can certainly imagine that. So as as someone that is uh, significantly more dominant leaning, um, 
what are some of the things that you would have actually liked to have known going into being a dominant type or a person that would have liked to be a dominatrix? What are the things that you would have personally liked to have taught yourself as opposed to the things that you learned as you grew into it? Uh, I would say like the first thing you need to learn as a dominant is self-control. Absolutely. Number one, you need to learn self-control. And the way you do that is like, you need to learn yourself. And sometimes it's not easy. Like you have to pretty much gut yourself open and really know why you want things or how you want things or who you are or what you like. And like, sometimes it can be kind of ugly. And then you have to like come to terms with all of those things and accept them or learn how to control them like self-control and self-reflection is the first thing you have to learn as a dominant and most of the time it's the hardest thing to do because it's so much easier to think you can control somebody else than it is to control yourself like you need to be able to control your emotions and even if even if it's not control them you need to know how they control you so you can plan accordingly like in case one of the emotions that makes you slightly out of control pops up then you need to know how to how to control that okay is that is that making sense at uh no dark 30 in the morning i mean to me it makes sense because i don't go to bed until five o'clock in the morning because my schedule is evening shift which is abysmal which means i'm barely going to unwind after this conversation um grab another beverage and then debate about going to sleep while i watch anime for the next like four or five hours because i have no (laughs) (laughs) self-control well see that you should work on that before you want to be a more dom leading dom leading type at least in my opinion i mean the second thing is like Mentors are important. Find people who know more than you do and talk to them. Because you're not always going to get the answers that you need just from research. Like, you might not get like, oh, what is Dom Drop from research? You might not get... um. What was I going to say? I just forgot what I was going to say. Like, you might not get experiences from research. Like, when a scene goes bad, how many people are going to write about when a scene goes bad and you need to fix it? Not many. But, like, somebody might talk to you about it. So having mentors for things are so important. Do your research. Do, Do your research. But also find mentors. And that goes for doms and subs, honestly. Like, do your research, find mentors. Yeah, no, that's a very good, that's a very good way of putting it. I know when I was, uh, when I was going through my, my journey, uh, eventually when I found like, okay, I want to try being a dominant or submissive. Like I actually went through a type of, I guess, mentoring where it was like a mistress taught, like would like take, took me under her wing and was like, this, these are the things that I would expect. These are the things you should look for and all that. Then eventually I found out that it wasn't my, the cut of my jib and I moved on. 
that that's that's tip, that's how me and a few other people have done it and i know some of that's getting kind of like it's no longer part of the conversation i know a lot of people are, are finding their identities a lot more individualistically um which is a double-edged sword um as, as someone that has come into this lifestyle from varying different degrees um it can be it, it can be a bit tough because again no one talks about top drop no one talks about aftercare for tops no one talks about what happens when your scene goes wrong because you can you can take all the classes to be a dungeon monitor those that don't know refer to one of our earlier podcasts on what a dungeon monitor is thank you smooches um we 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 can prepare ourselves for other people having issues but we can't prepare ourselves for having these issues like there there's a saying in kink it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when it'll happen yeah and and that's the that's the most terrifying thing it's like you 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 who knows one day you may strike somebody in the kidney with a flocker will it do anything immediately no but can it affect the scene yes have you ever triggered somebody in a scene no but when it happens are you prepared for it probably not right and it it becomes this really interesting thing of like okay there you are now playing 4d chess in your own scene when in reality the first the last thing you wanted to think about is what happens if something goes wrong exactly and I, i think it's fascinating because like as as a rigger myself like the first thing in my mind is like what happens if i drop someone on their head that's the first thing. It's like, oh, can I recover from that? It's like, yeah, cut my rope, get them the fuck out, and make sure they're okay. As a dom that is doing a different type of scene, what are your types of things to like instantly think about when when going into your scenes? Most of mine are most of mine are triggers. Like, did I negotiate enough to make sure that I know where the landmines are so I don't step on one? And the other thing is my abilities, like to make sure I'm not trying to play above my abilities. And uh, like one thing that I learned that was really, that really stuck with me is even if your abilities are a 10 in something, never play at a 10. Always play at like a nine or an eight. And then when your abilities go up to a 12, then play at a 10. Like always play under your abilities because then you at least know, like you have that little bit of headspace room that if something messes up, like you're more likely to be able to control the situation because it's not at the top of your capabilities. That's a very good lesson to learn. That is, I do appreciate that. These are things that even as myself, that I've always like, never really put into words but kind of kept in the back of my head simmering it's like okay cool i know i can do seven transitions in the scene just focus on the fucking tie right now just fucking do it just get the person in the air if that's what they want if not hurt them you got that right cool we're done and i think a lot of the times as kingsters we focus on the like grandiose side of things like oh i would love to tell I would love to do a blood play scene where it's a blood where I'm I suspend them in midair, do blood cupping and make it rain blood on top of me. And and that sounds great on paper, but you know the fucking cleanup you have to do for that? 
Great. I can tell you that. I can tell you right now. I've done it. It mm, cleanup is messy. Like not not prepared for the. You're like I was not prepared. I was not prepared for the cleanup. Everything else, yeah. I was fine. I got all the panels and everything. The cleanup. You know, tiring. I mean, I've I've had scenes that you know I thought I had prepared to the maximum capacity that I could prepare for them and then have started the scene and been like, I was wrong. <laughs> I was, I was so wrong. Like, what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> and, and now I've tied my, and now I put myself into a little bit of a corner where I'm just like, oh no. Oh no. Oh no, no, no. Um, that damn song is stuck in my head. I'm going to rip it out of my skull one of these days. Eventually, I, if everyone yeah. stopped, if everyone stopped listening to that song or making videos on it, maybe then I would have some peace and quiet. It's not going to happen. Probably it's not. Be there forever and ever. <sighs> I have like six TikTok audios running through my head at all times right now, and I'm just like, please make it, please, please make it stop. <laughs> it's just this constant delirium, just like, uh. Mm -hmm. hit, hit, do I hit the woe now in my sleep and then you just fall out of bed just like motherfucker <laughs> uh, I, I this, this is the part of the episode where we're just like I wish this would leave my head for the love of god someone help <laughs> anything else yeah I mean thankfully thankfully the scenes that I said I was unprepared for I was the bottom so at least I wasn't, I didn't feel responsible for like messing up as a dominant or somebody else. It was always, I mean, one was a piercing scene and I was like, I just took different experiences and put them all together in my head and tried to like envision how this particular piercing scene was going to go with all my other knowledge and experience. And then get on the table and like second piercing in, I was like, I am so far out of my league right now. I don't even know what to do. Yeah. Um, I think oh, what fucking scene was it? Um, there was a scene that I that I uh, it wasn't even a scene, it was a fucking demo. It was a demo at a like they call it stations of the cross or you just like wander each station and, and teach and all that fun stuff i was like i was doing i was bottoming for uh for an ironically enough a needle demo and the the top is someone that i i i personally had taught and they've gotten a lot better at it it's like all right cool and they were like all right we're gonna go ahead and go from like basic 14 gauge needles or eight 22 18 14 and then we're gonna do this 10 gauge needle i'm like all right bet let's go i like needles i like big fuck off needles too because i do hook suspensions obviously as soon as that 10 gauge needle was like <gasps> i fucked up regret right all the regret and not and not because of the pain because like i wasn't mentally checking myself at the time i was like oh i wasn't ready for that mm -mm. Mm -mm. no 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 definitely not not in the mood now. Mm. And, and these are and these are just these are just the things that you have to again experience. And a lot of the times, well, as someone that does take classes online, like as a matter of fact, um, this past Saturday, I 
had watched a Hajime Kanoko um, rope tutorial that he was doing online in Australia. And I have another one this coming Saturday all the way till the 28th. And it's like, these are great things to learn. Just if you do everything appropriately and you've covered your bases ahead of time because you can have all the top tier information. It's just that have you've actually done the basics to get to that point. Exactly. I was just, I was just going to say that it's like, well, just make sure, you know, on your educational journey, make sure you're doing chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, because I mean, I've seen in person, a lot of people come to um, let's use rope demos or rope classes, you know, and they, they pop into like a moderate rope class and they don't know what a single column tie is. And it's like, you should not be here. You are not ready to be here. You need a beginner's rope class. And they, I don't know if they just thought that like they would be ready, like that they could handle it or that they'd figure it out. But I think some people like skip chapters sometimes. And like, as long as you're keeping your journey on path, it's fantastic. Like your educational journey could be really great but i think sometimes people just like skip around or they'll learn like chapter one through three and then be like oh that's good and i'm kind of like um yeah like that's bare minimum but cool i mean i may or may not have been that person earlier on in my kink life because <laughs> jumping in head first was one of those things it's like i you know what i know what it is now oh no it's a oh. lot deeper than i thought it was Maybe I need to learn how to swim back. Let's it's, it's, it's go baby steps. And eventually, eventually it happened. So, now that we're here, we're almost at an hour. Can you believe it? Almost an hour yeah. of conversation. Uh, so, at the moment, right now, this is normally where I'd ask you to plug all your pluggables, like where they could either interact with you, like TikTok and all that, or if you have any other pages or any other things that you, you in particular as a kink individual would like people on. If you want, oh, if not, that's perfectly I, fine. I was like, I mean, I wish, I wish you would have, like, I could have used some notice for that. No. I mean, there's a, there's a couple <laughs> great, if you're, if you're on TikTok, okay, for anybody who's on TikTok, if they find me, Pretty Evil Dragon, I have a lot of links to really great kink educators. I'm, I'm not trying to build my fan base, but to give you like the top five, I mean, I would have to find my top five real quick. <laughs> Go no worries. Well, I, can, I, I can grab your, your links and all that jazz and put them in the video and it will... Uh, put them in you know, the but I have, I have riggers on there. I mean, like big riggers, like Naughty Devils on there. And Might Bite is fantastic on there. And they're like big actual um, rigging, like, I, I want to say expert, because that, that's pretty much where they're going with. And then um, Ignixia, but I can't think of her actual screen name off the top of my head. She is an actual, she's an in real life educator. She's one of the ones that travels around, well, used to travel around and teach kink at big kink conventions and there's like two or three others that are just escaping my brain at the moment um 
but there are a few there are a few on TikTok. Uh, and I have a bunch of uh, smaller educators on there who do fantastic link trees and they have like all the top books that anybody could possibly want to read and they have um, just pages and pages of link tree stuff that will take you to all kinds of excellent resources for education. I personally don't have that link tree set up, you don't need but to I know people it. who do and they have just like immaculate collections of really good resources. And I'm always like, anytime somebody asks me like, what's a good resource for, I'm like, go ask Submissive Mama. Cause she's got a link tree that is like a redwood, like a humongous. That's always good to know. That's always good to hear. Well, at the moment, this is now the end of the episode. I do thank you all for joining me and Dragon for this wonderful interview slash conversation. And until next time, do all the things and all the stuffs with the follows and the subscriptions and all that. Don't worry, you don't have to pay for anything. I'm not going to make anybody pay for anything because I do this stuff for free and for fun. So do give her a follow if you do are on, are on TikTok. Don't be shy. Tell her I sent you. Um, but as always, thank you for listening. Auf Wiedersehen. Au revoir, Jeanette. I'll catch you next time. Peace.